think we're live. It says we've been live for seven seconds. I'm not sure. About Welcome to the Impact Nations podcast. My name is Tim. I am sitting here with Steve Stewart. Uh, you, I call him Dad, but you can call him Steve. And today we are joined by our very special guest and friend, Brad Jerzak. Hello, Brad. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me back. Amazing. Hey. Amazing. <laughs> we're, we're still friends, and we have exciting things to talk about today. I believe so, yeah. Um, for those who are new to the podcast who perhaps haven't met you before, um, can you give us like a, a real quick introduction to yourself? Brad is a friend of our ministries, uh, an author and theologian, and what are you up to these days, Brad? Well, I, I'm starting as the Dean of Ministry Studies at St. Stephen's University as of September 1st. I've been Associate Dean, that means like in training. So uh, we have a a program, Master of Ministries and Master of Arts in Theology and Culture out at St. Stephen's University in New Brunswick. And because it's modular, I can just go out there for the two weeks per semester that the students come. Otherwise, I'm still based in Abbotsford and I'm editing the CWR magazine and traveling a lot and trying to write books. Awesome. That's great. Well, uh, speaking of books, we're here today. I, I should. Mm -hmm. I mean, we may as well just get a foundation started right off the bat. Uh, today we are going to be. Oh, look at that! You got two, you printed two copies, Brad. Boy, you're expecting big sales. Yeah, <laughs> rolling it in. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are talking about uh, your latest book, uh, which just just got released. I think this is pretty hot off the press. Uh, called In Incarnation and Inclusion: Abba and Lamb. Uh, and I've uh, linked to uh, the Amazon uh, link for that in our show notes. So if people want to jump on that uh, and get reading, I would encourage you to do that. One of Brad's incredible strengths, I think, is just uh, your ability to take some really complex and challenging theological <coughs> questions and make them accessible for people with an IQ like mine. Uh, and we won't say what that is, but it's not the same as yours, I suspect. Um, and so I really appreciate your just the way you write and make these things really accessible for the reader. Um, I really enjoyed it, by the way. I, Brad and I really? were together about 10 or 12 days ago up in Canada, and he told me the book had come out. I didn't know it had been that. And that night I ordered it on good old Amazon, and I came back, and day after I came back, there it was, and I, uh, I read it in a couple of days, really loved it, read all the way through, and there's not even any pictures, and I, I did <laughs> that in a way. That. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to say that I really did enjoy it. It was great. Oh, good. Coming from you, that really actually does mean a lot, because you're a, a practitioner of the things I believe in in the book, so... Do you want to give us uh, maybe just kind of a before, because we've got some questions written down that have come directly from uh, a reading of this book, um, but I wonder if you could maybe just provide our listeners with uh, maybe just a, a kind of an overarching theme of what this book is about and why you wrote it, actually. I'd be interested to know that, too. Okay. So the, um, well, I could read you the back cover. That's a good start. Um, so the idea is I, I, I'm basically saying that what Christ did, he did for all, so you're included. And then that leads us to um, a dilemma quite often, that on the one hand, we think about Christ's singular incarnation, the uniqueness of Jesus Christ as the only Savior. And then on the other hand, we think about Abba, 
the God revealed in Christ, whose love extends to everyone, his all-inclusive, wide, high, long, deep reach. Now, here's the issue. Uh, sometimes if we uphold the uniqueness of Christ and that he's the only way, we can end up being very exclusive in our faith and act like, well, only Christians are in. And so, so you end up compromising the all-inclusive love of Abba for the uniqueness of Christ. But the reverse also happens. When we finally get a glimpse that God is, his, that his love reaches out to everyone and that what Christ did, he did for all, then um, many have been tempted to diminish the uniqueness of Christ. So they're like, okay, everybody's in and God loves everybody. And so let's maybe just downplay the uniqueness of Christ. And I'm, I'm saying in this book that, that we need to hold those true truths together. The absolute uniqueness of Jesus Christ and the absolute all-inclusive love of Abba. And in fact, that, that they are not contradictions that compromise each other, but they're complements. And so in the book, I look at some scriptures and then I look at some pretty dramatic stories of things I've witnessed or my friends have witnessed. And where I came to in the end is, I think the higher your Christology, the higher you think of Jesus Christ and what he has done, the more broadly you will believe Abba's love to be. In other words, if you are an exclusivist that sees the Christian tribe as the only one in touch with God, you may actually not have too high a, a view of Christ. It might be too low. And so then I just start thinking, wow, if Christ truly is the Lord of all, and I mean the Lord of the universe, the the cosmic Christ, as Richard Rohr would say, but also fully unique, fully divine, then, then you know, you're going to have, that, that makes for a very big world, a very big universe, a very big God. And so that that's kind of what I'm doing in the book. I'm making that case. That the higher your Christology, the greater the love of God in your vision, and hmm. and we've got practitioners who've uh, who've been working out in the world, guys like your dad, um, where what on earth is he doing preaching Jesus in a Sikh temple? So first of all, he sees the all-inclusive love of Abba reaching the Sikhs, but he's not diminishing the nature of Jesus Christ, and in fact has found a way to share that gospel in a Sikh temple where he's welcome back. And so there's something, I mean, really, I should have had a chapter in here by Steve Stewart because he's, <laughs> he's living this. And it's like, how, how dare you include Sikhs? It's like, well, I dare because I preach Jesus. But, but his Jesus must be very embracing for, the, for a Sikh temple to invite him in and invite him back and to give him a free reign with his gospel. Something about that is so magnificent to me that I think the people that are either exclusivist or diminishing Christ, they've, they've lost the plot somehow. So that's what I'm trying to engage. What would you say to those who are um, more on the, on the reform side of that theology that would say that actually by, um, by having that higher view as you talk about, let's, let's focus on the all-inclusive nature of Abba. Yeah. By having that, you're actually diminishing the work of the cross by saying, well, it, you know, the cross matters less if we're saying that we have an all-inclusive God. Yeah, I would just completely reject that statement because it is the cross that makes all of this possible. Why? How can his, 
How can his love reach every man, woman, and child on the, on the planet only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? In fact, in the early church fathers, we've got this beautiful Latin phrase that the cross is the axis mundi. That means, you know, like you have an axis of the world and the world rotates around the axis, right? The cross is that which all space, time, and the whole universe revolves around the cross. Mm -hmm. And the cross represents Jesus. The cross represents his death and resurrection. And the cross represents the salvation that is that is universal in scope because because of that very cross. You take the and this is this is why I would be um, you know, I can't be regarded as your standard universalist is because you take the cross out and you've lost the whole thing. That what's the means then by which Abba does this? So um, uh, I would almost make Christ and the cross synonymous in that, mm. you know what I mean, that, that this is who and how God's love reaches to all. So does that mean then that those who are going to, I got to be careful because it's easy to slip into that reform who's in and who's out kind of language. And I know that you're warning against that language, but at the same time, you know, we we have passages like like John, uh, you know, John 14 saying, hey, no one can come to the Father except through me, except through Christ. So uh, how do we, and if Christ and the cross are, are in this argument, let's say synonymous, how, yeah. if people don't know of the work of the cross, if they haven't explicitly uh, accepted the forgiveness that is freely offered and has already been purchased for them, uh, by way of the cross, if they don't know of that forgiveness that's been purchased for them, how do they? Uh, how can they, how can we say that they're they're able to access the work of the cross if they don't even know of the work of the cross? Yeah. Well, what saves us, the cross or us? You know. Mm. So um, that was a very complex question, though, and I, so I think we should break it down into bits because it, it's. I've just made it too simplistic in my little answer there, um, because knowing matters, but what, like, why does it matter? So even before we talk about knowing, let's talk about John fourteen six, which is at the heart of my book, and this is where my friend Mercy Aiken really uh, gave me an eye opener. She said, "All right, um, when she's in the Middle East and she's talking with her Muslim and Jewish friends, they will bring up John fourteen six, knowing." that that's been an issue that has turned Christians into exclusivists. So they challenged her, what do you do with that verse? And so she went off and she studied on it and she prayed on it. And so here's a, one case that I make in the book is directly from her teaching. She says, um, look at, is Jesus saying in John 14, 6, that nobody knew Christ before he came? Are we really saying, and is Christ really saying Abraham didn't know God, or Moses didn't know God, or David didn't know God. The scriptures tell us that Moses fellowshiped with God face to face in the tent of meeting. It tells us that Abraham was a friend of God. It tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. So whatever Jesus means there, it probably doesn't mean nobody knew God before him. You could know God, so what's Jesus bringing to the table? What, what is it that he's revealing that you could not otherwise know? And so um, a lot of it is that in the Old Testament, 
you would name God according to your experience of God. You, God is my provider. God is, you know, our our strong tower. God is our healer, and so on. And uh, and it, and so you start with this name of God, Yahweh, and, and and some of the other names related to encounters with God. But then you get to the Psalms, and in the Psalms, David takes it up a notch. And now it's not just God, but it's my God, my strong tower, my good shepherd, my deliverer. And he gets the whole community singing these hymns. So now all of the community is going, like, wow, my God, this is my God. And it's not just tribalistic. It's talking about a level of intimacy that you see in, um, in Psalm 139. He knows me, the God who knows me. He sees my innermost being. and he go, Wherever I go, he's with me. So now he's not merely transcendent. He's imminent. But when Jesus comes along, he does something, he, he goes to the nth degree. Now he shows us the very face of God and says, to know me is to know God as Abba. And so in John 17, he says, I've come and I've revealed your name. Well, they already knew his name was Yahweh. No, the name he's revealed is Abba. And what that, and the Abba experience is, is this experience of uh, belonging and and uh, a depth of intimacy that no one had known before. So even Jesus would say, well, no one's really ever seen God. But Well, John 1, John says, no one's ever seen God, but God, the only Son, who's in the bosom of the Father. He's made him known. How He's made him known what? That he's, that he's Abba. So I think um, in terms of, could you know God apart from Jesus? Oh, yeah. But do you know Abba? Do you know him and experience him? as Abba Father, apart from Jesus. And Christ seems to be saying no. And so so this, this then becomes why we share. It's like I meet all sorts of people who know God in various ways, but I want them to know him at the, a level of intimacy that only Jesus had, has brought about. And so that means um, those, who, those who've never heard of Christ or the cross may really have a relationship with God, so why do evangelism? To share with them the Jesus revelation that, that Abba Father has uh, welcomed you into his home and into a level of intimacy. And then the cross we can talk about in addition to that, uh, where Cornelius knows God. And yet, Peter still tells them the gospel. Why? Well, John Wesley tells us, you tell them the gospel so that they can know their full inheritance and experience the full assurance of their faith. And so that would be, let's say, to know that you're absolutely forgiven for your sins, that your guilt is atoned for. You don't have to be afraid of death anymore. Lots of people don't know that even though they've known God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings them into that kind of deeper inheritance and experience. So in, out, well, whatever, but it's like, what level of revelation do you want to walk in? I, I want people to know it all. So would you say, and I'm setting you up a little bit, but uh, as you know, I spend a good part of my time overseas mm -hmm. uh, introducing people to Christ. So given yeah. what you just said, um, if, they don't, if they don't turn from their sins, if they don't repent, do they still have access to Abba? In other words, um, when you're one-on-one -on -one with someone, you're giving them good news. Let's say they're not a Christian. You know, let's, you've said sure. Sikh. Let's say they're Sikh. 
and you're giving them my for me my gospel is very much he's already done it i i don't i don't believe in conditional good news it's either good news or it ain't and my job is to herald the good news right isaiah 52 yeah um does this require a response from them in order to enter into the benefit of that good news? Um, I see it on a more of a sliding scale rather than an either or, and here's why. In 12-step recovery, before they know the name of Jesus, many of the men and women that participate in Alcoholics Anonymous and so on, they turn to they turn to God as far as they understand God and they experience real transformation Hmm. before, before they make a Christian confession. But here's the thing, who's the God they're turning to. So they're making their, they are turning from, let's say they're turning from their addiction as a, as a false comfort for all the pains deep in their heart. And they're turning towards the light of God, not necessarily knowing his name yet, but it's a a very deliberate um, decision to turn their life and will over to the care of God. And then the, the program tells them the nature of this God is loving, caring, forgiving, and responsive and personal. They're describing Christ. So I'm like, did they become a Christian? I, well, they turned, they turned to the only God on the block who is loving, caring, forgiving, personal, and responsive. And that light, that's the light they turn to. Now, at some point, a witness can come along and say, behold the lamb. But they've already met him. They just didn't know all the benefits. And so, they're, so uh, I set all uh, that up to say is, Apart from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, I am seeing people who are willing to turn to God as they understand God, experiencing benefits that only Christ is 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 giving them. Um, and will there be more benefits if when they understand about what the cross has done? Absolutely. And so, well, wait a minute. If they're already knowing God and they're already transforming, why tell them about Jesus? Because he's the best thing that ever happened to us. And there, and there's a lot more to that inheritance for them to discover. Um, so, First John is he says, you know, anyone who loves knows God. In other words, anyone who turns towards love at at some level they know God. But I want them to know Abba, and I want them to know the cross and all the benefits of the cross. So my job. Or my vocation is is to find people wherever they're at in their journey, affirm where they're at in their journey so far, and then nurture the revelation they have and the transformation they're experiencing um, all the way into the, the the uniqueness of the of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I just I don't think they've received the fullness of what God has for them yet, but they can they can receive an awful lot of it if as he's drawing them to himself because it's Christ who's walking that, that journey with them, whether they know it or not. I think we've, that's a conditional part we created, created. If you don't turn to him, he won't walk with you. It's like, are you kidding? He's been walking with us at least since the incarnation. And where is he walking us towards the kingdom of God? And at some point, a witness will come alongside them and say, this journey that you're on, um, you know, 
let me tell you, behold the lamb. So in John 1, he's like, there's this word, there's this light. Oh, and by the way, this word and this light that you may have already been in on, this it's the lamb. It's the, one, it's the crucified one. And so I'm always looking to up, uh, however I can nourish where they are, they're at to where, uh, towards Jesus I want to do. Do we run the risk, though, Brad, of <clears throat> muddling that in our messaging so that they don't, they don't make that choice? They, where they basically say, hey, the, well, if the path I'm on is good and, and it is going to lead to um, the ultimate eternal life, uh, then I'm good. I'm not going to make any changes. Thanks. I'll I'll stick with my, you know, my strict understanding of Sikhism or or Islam or uh, Mormonism, whatever it is, uh, because you know you're you're affirming my uh, my lifestyle, my walk, if you will. You're saying Jesus is already walking with me anyway. So I'm, you know, it sounds to me like this path is going to lead ultimately to to the ultimate destination anyway so i and this i guess the really big question i'm asking is it do all it sounds to me like what you're saying is all roads lead to christ ultimately anyway i'm saying that christ travels down every road to find somebody a lot of paths are leading away from the kingdom atheism is a leading away from the kingdom um quite often you know yeah um and you could argue that you know that, that some religions kind of just absolutely are anti-Christ, and so they're heading the the the, um, the path. Call it, let's call it the, that religion mm-hmm. or that ideology is a path, and that path could be leading you just to destruction. I, I'm not saying that path leads you to Jesus or His kingdom. What I'm saying is Christ will. Christ has united himself with everyone on their journey. So I'm using the word journey, not just as the, the path they're on, but it's the person themselves is it, wherever they're heading. Christ is, tr- Christ is offering them a straight path into the mm-hmm. kingdom of God from whatever path they're on. But I would say every, you will find Christ on every path. That's not an affirmation of the path. It's an affirmation of the good shepherd who goes even down into ditches and abysses to find his sheep. But you're ultimately saying our invitation is to come and get on the path, the one path where there is full revelation of Christ. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jesus is that path. So Hmm. I'm, so I'm always inviting people to Jesus because he's the straight path into the kingdom. So that's, and you'll see that in the afterward where, uh, Janie, Jamie and Donna Winship, they're another pra- set of practitioners I just love. And so they, they spent 25 years working with Muslims using the Quran to invite them to the kingdom of God and that the straight path into that kingdom of G- is Jesus. And now there's over, over 80 movements of Jesus following Muslims. And a, Jesus, and a movement in their mind consists of it has to be at least 10,000 people and at least three generations. Whoa. And um, so, eighty thousand. There, there. How many did I say? Over, over eighty of these movements. Some even much bigger than that, where you've got imams saying, uh, "I was born Muslim." It's, it's not like you choose Islam. You don't choose right. Islam. You're, bo- you're born. That's your culture. That's your people group. That's your, whatever. And, and so 
And so in, in the Quran, you have uh, Muhammad writing that, that Jesus says, believe God and obey me. And so then they would say, if you want to be a good Muslim, you must obey God and, be and, and uh, believe in God and, and follow Jesus, obey Jesus. That's what following is. And, and that will lead you on the straight path. And that, now they're seeing imams like baptizing each other, but they're not, they're not coming in it through the Christian door. That's not the door. Jesus is the door. And so they, they have direct encounters with Jesus and begin to follow him as, as faithful Muslim followers of Jesus. And I'm like, wow, that I never foresaw that coming. Or you yeah. could have faithful um, Sikh followers of Jesus. And, and whoever will identify Jesus as the straight path to the kingdom is going to know the fullness and benefits of that. Now, a key part of my book is in terms of this, what about those who don't know yet? yet know Christ can they actually where do they stand before God and so Cornelius is the test case in Acts where it's God's testimony to Peter Christ's testimony to Peter that before he knew Christ um, uh, Cornelius he, he affirms Cornelius faith practices such as prayer and almsgiving and his deeds of righteousness, and he, he authenticates his spiritual experiences of angelic visitations, words of knowledge, prophecy, you know. This is all before he's a Christian. And what God tells Peter is, I've already made him clean. He's already acceptable to me. That's not me. That's not even Peter. That's God talking there. So if, if we have a problem with God accepting and actually counting People's, people's righteous lives who, who seek God and try to um, live righteously, he's saying that's acceptable. Well, so we want to make that, are they in or out? And where would they die if they, like, if he died, where would they go if he died on his ch chariot on the way to Peter's house? It's like, wrong question. <laughs> um, the question for Peter is, having seen that this man is already acceptable, clean, and righteous, oh my goodness, then why tell him about Jesus? But he does. And so he tells him about Jesus. And it's interesting that even though Cornelius had had so many encounter, Holy Spirit encounters already, the Holy Spirit still falls on him and his group. And they begin prophesying. And they're like, oh, no, quick, get the water. <laughs> so they baptize yeah. him. <laughs> you know, the Spirit's running ahead of us here. So so what, I'm with Peter on this. Um no matter how much I would affirm another faith practice or spiritual experience, I still ha believe in the obligation, my obligation, to share the, the good news of Jesus Christ with them so that, again with John Wesley, they would come into their full assurance and full inheritance. And in the case of, um, in, in the case of Cornelius, I don't know what more was added by receiving the Spirit that day, but something must have, you know, I don't. I, I believe that he heard about the death and resurrection for the first time, and this made a new difference to him, especially uh, being freed of the fear fear of death, knowing where you're heading, never having to appease God or the gods again, and and just all of these additional benefits to knowing the gospel. So, um, so I don't know what what 
clean, acceptable, and righteous men, but I just know Jesus, we still needed to preach Jesus at that point. I suppose we could say then the same about people we've met from other faiths. Wow, that guy lives a righteous life. Wow, they really are devout. Wow, they, when they pray, I bet God hears them. Hey, when, when they report God speaking to them, that's pretty cool. I'm still going to tell them about Jesus because I'm the behold the lamb guy. I'm the, I'm the John the Baptist in John 1 who says, ah, the light and the word that you've known. Uh, let me tell you about when he came to earth. Let me tell so, you about when he died. Rose so let me ask this then. <clears throat> in that behold the lamb moment, yeah. you present that and somebody rejects it and says, no, yep. I, I don't believe in the work of the cross. Uh, I believe, you know, I'm the classic, I'm a good person. And we're, I mean, yep. you just yep. said like, yeah, we're actually affirming that here. You're on, yeah. you're, you're clearly receiving something from the Lord in terms of, you know, there is some fruit there. Uh, but they out of hand reject uh, and I mean and then there are others who are outright opposed I mean we talked about Islam obviously there's a radical Islam that is very much opposed to to any talk of Christ um, yeah. I even think of uh, the I mean Paul, Saul of Tarsus or the Sanhedrin right I mean we you got in uh, in Acts 3 they they heal the the lame beggar outside the temple that he comes running in and jumping and everything and they are I mean they can't get across the temple fast enough to shut these guys up for preaching the name of Jesus yeah. Um, because, as we've talked about many times in this show before, the principalities and powers are so opposed to the work of Christ. And so they're yeah. going to work overtime to shut down this talk. Um, but that plays out in a rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These guys yeah. say, we don't want you to preach that name anymore. Now, these are all on the surface. These are people who are... are um, I mean, N.T. Wright talks about the, their zeal, right? Zealots. Uh, they think they're fighting for... The same God we worship, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And so they're zealous, but they are actively rejecting the work of Jesus Christ. They are rejecting the power of the name of Jesus. Uh, and even those who, in our Behold the Lamb moment, we may say, hey, there's the best way is, is Jesus, and he's a full revelation of what you're seeking. And they say, I don't want any part of that. Yeah. What do you do with that? I wait till the next time Christ presents himself to them. This is 2 Corinthians 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot believe. They mm -hmm. cannot believe. And, and then it's through the preaching of the gospel that the veil is removed from their eyes and they behold the face of Christ, and they have their aha moment like Paul did on the road. If that doesn't happen when I present the gospel, there's a couple possibilities. One is um, we've not done the spiritual work in terms of, the God of this age who, who blinds their eyes. So hmm. prayer really matters. Yeah. Uh, prayer for open doors, prayer for open hearts, prayer that the veil of deception would be lifted. So I think that's one element. Um, a second element is maybe I actually haven't preached a very beautiful gospel. And of course, and, and they're, they're not interested in, in responding because I, because I haven't actually nailed it. And one is just they're not ripe yet. So I'm, I've, I've noticed this with people where they can, they can l turn to the light and turn to love and listen to the word and obey it. And I'm like, that is Christ. And yet they can't, they can't attach themselves to the name of Jesus yet. They're not because they're not ripe for it. 
maybe they haven't bottomed out yet, or maybe they associate the name of Christ with, with some jerks that they met one time. So they're like, oh, I'm happy to, to follow love and light and life. But if you bring Jesus into it, into it, then you're reminding me of this thing that I'm rejecting because Christian culture is so toxic and I want nothing to do with you people and blah, blah, blah. So, so that could be another issue. It's, so, so one is, let's just review these. So one is a spiritual blinder on their eyes. One is, are we getting the gospel right that we're sharing with them? And, and then further, um, perhaps they're, they're resistant not to the light of Christ but to the to, to the mm. name that's that's been loaded with junk by cultural Christianity, and then ultimate. So, like, if they if they reject that, that's really sad. And so we'll just tell them again, and maybe next time they'll be riper. And then we'll tell them again, and then maybe at some point Christ actually has to be in play here. It's I don't open their eyes; He opens their eyes. And so I would say, come on, I shared the good news. You gonna open their eyes or what, what's the deal here? <laughs> you know, and it's like ah, they're not ready. Okay, you know. But what I notice, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just something on this this whole thing of the God of this age blinding their eyes. When we're out in the when we're out in the nations, um, this is something I teach our team, and I've had this happen. The first time I saw it so profoundly, I was in uh, Haiti. And I was preaching, and whoever set up the platform, they did it right in front of the, this Hindu, uh, our voodoo sacrifice tree. This is where, it was a wonderful location. And, uh, but I didn't know that at the time. But, what, but we've watched it again and again and again. Africa, India, everywhere. I'll teach our people. God's moving. Maybe even the person gets healed. The Lord's just healed them, and then we'll say, would you... Would, He's got another gift for you, as you've heard me teach you before. He's got another gift. He just touched on the outside. Would you like him on the inside? No. And here's what we teach him, because we know it's the God of this age. We'll turn to our translator and say, do not translate this. And with a smile, I'll say, in the name of Jesus, I bind every lying spirit right now. And I command you to leave in the in." because of the light of Christ. And then I'll ask the very same question. Would you like to invite Jesus? Yes. <laughs> and wow. I know that almost sounds like a fable, but it isn't. I've watched it maybe scores of times. And uh, so that's, that's just bringing it down again, Steve, the practitioner, but, but uh, recognizing how tangible this, uh, yeah. this issue of, of the God of this age blinding. That's really good. I, I think, I mean, it, the whole thing is, it's it, what are we going to do as practitioners? That's why it matters to me. Um, how do I work with people in 12-step recovery? How do we work with people of other faiths? How do we work with Christians? <laughs> Which is a whole other thing, right? It's, it's, um, it is one thing to say that, you know, the sinner's prayer. It's another to say, have you actually turned to Christ and do you follow him? Do, you, those who don't love don't know God. So you can throw his name around if you want, but you're throwing it around in vain. So I'm looking for more than just signing off on a belief system or a creed. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking for too. those who've actually turned to the light and are following it as peacemakers in the world. And, and frankly, I've got some Muslim friends who are much better peacemakers than some of my Christian friends. And I'm like, mm -hmm. who's following Jesus? So uh, there's this parable Jesus tells. It's very haunting. 
two there's two brothers and the and the father says to to them like would you go out and work in the field and the one's like sure i will and then he doesn't and the other is like no i'm not gonna but he does which one is the follower of jesus so you get someone saying oh yes to jesus and then he he refuses to follow his very words in fact treats the sermon on the mount as if it's if as if it's like horrible and you're just a socialist or something if you you know like they'll they'll find a way to negate the very teachings of jesus and then you get somebody else who's like do you want to follow jesus well no i'm no but they do every day it's like why why are you a peacemaker why are you following the golden rule why and i'm not making it about um works righteousness i am making it about those who follow jesus are the wise ones who have heard his voice and heard his word and does what he says so well, and that's I what find james it, says of course he says don't be hearers of the word be doers of the word right <laughs> and there's that scary verse in in matthew 7 where lord lord we did the deal we 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 did crusades and conferences and we healed the sick and we did this stuff and he says but i i don't know you that has always been like whoa <laughs> yeah yeah so there's a humbling thing going on but um I mean, if we if we can gather up some of what we've covered biblically speaking, before I maybe get into a story or two, but biblically speaking, what I'm looking at is John one, is where the light and the word is revealed, the true light that comes into the world who enlightens everyone, or who enlightens everyone who's come into the world, um, and the word that speaks and and through that word all things have their being and hold together. This one then. Um, I want to say that's that's Christ. Christ is the light of the world. Christ is the word. And, and so I proclaim him. Um, even if God is taking a risk and relating to them as word or love or light, long before he relates to them as Jesus. Uh, and then the other two, we mentioned John fourteen six, the Abba revelation, and then the Cornelius story where was Cornelius ever actually before Christ? He was always before Christ. He was in Christ's mind and heart when he died on the cross, you know. So that's some of the key scriptures, I think. that For me, they're not gotcha scriptures. They're like, no, this is the heart of the matter, actually. Yeah. High Christology, broad love. Hmm. Um, I'm going to pause for an ad real quick and then lead sure. into a couple more questions that I'm really curious to hear a couple of the stories you talked about. Um, okay. But just real quick for to pause for an ad, I wanted to let people know uh, if you want a chance to go and share the gospel with people, uh, come join us, come have fun with us, come play. Um, we are doing Journeys of Compassion all year long. We do between eight and ten of them every year. Uh, and these are opportunities for people to come uh, and join brothers and sisters from around the world. We've had teams from as many as eight different nations at once, uh, usually teams between 25 and 40 people or so. Uh, and we get together, we spend 12 days on the ground doing the gospel. So we are doing uh, medical clinics uh, where we'll see hundreds of people in a day who otherwise may not have access to doctors and medicine. Uh, we've got teams that are going out and, and uh, providing water filtration in homes. We, we deliver water filters. Uh, we're doing feeding programs from time to time. Sometimes there's a building project. We're meeting the practical needs of, of the poor uh, in nations such as uh, Bulgaria, Kenya, Nepal, uh, Colombia, the Philippines, India, um, 
those are just some of the journeys that are upcoming. Uh, but during that time, we are, of course, always proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're saying, uh, basically, hey, we've got good news. Uh, come and l- do life with Jesus. Come, there is, uh, there is Jesus who can walk with you and lead you to abundant life and inviting them to that. Uh, and we're healing the sick everywhere we go. We're, uh, Dad mentioned just a minute ago, you know, we'll, we'll heal the sick and then say that was a gift from Jesus uh, and he has one more gift for you too. Um, and we're seeing, you know, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, all of that. Um, the main thing is you get to come and you get to do the stuff. This is not come and watch the leaders do the stuff. This isn't, you know, come and see the the qualified preachers or whatever come and heal the sick. Uh, you get to come and do those things all day, every day. Um, so I want to specifically mention right now Kenya. We've got a Journey of Compassion coming uh, in October. Uh, we've actually got two, uh, a team for women going into the streets uh, to rescue women from forced prostitution. And then again, just introduce them to life in Christ. And then a week later, uh, we've got a full team that are coming to do those medical clinics and water filtration and stuff. Um, we're specifically right now actually looking for doctors and nurses. So we, we really need medical professionals. Our uh, our time in Kenya is quite amazing, and uh, we've got relationship with the government that we work with there, so they really promote this stuff. So people show up in droves looking for medical care, so we really need medical personnel specifically to come and help us, uh, uh, what I say is adorn the gospel. Uh, this is good news, and it's good news to the poor. Uh, and so we're going to go and meet the poor's needs, and we really need your help. So uh, come one, come all, absolutely, specifically if you're a medical professional, doctor, nurse, uh, veterinarian, we'll take you to, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Um, head to impactnations.com slash J-O-C, which stands for Journey of Compassion, uh, and you can see our full schedule there uh, and learn more about how you can get involved. So, One of the really us. unique things mm-hmm. about the Kenya trip is God's opened a door for us going back to 2010 uh, in the prisons, the federal mm-hmm. prisons. Yeah. And we have, we've seen directly hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and through our influence, uh, almost 7,000 prisoners set mm-hmm. free. Uh, last year, we uh, went in for an hour, and we started to baptize people, and we had to go, and the chaplain carried on, and there were 400 baptisms. Wow. <laughs> um, so it's a really a unique journey. Um, it, it really is. It's quite an adventure. So I just yeah. wanted to add that to, to what you said. Come and join us. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, all right. So now, this is a really good segue for, for me right into my next question, Brad. Um, Let's say you're on the journey of compassion with Impact Nations and you suddenly find yourself, we've just fed hundreds of prisoners and they are all gathered in an assembly and we turn to you and say, hey Brad, your turn, preach the gospel. I really want to hear, because you said a few minutes ago, maybe we're not presenting the good news in a in a way that is very appealing. Uh, I'm interested to know, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but uh, what do you say? You, you're looking at a room full of prisoners who are hungry for good news, let's hear your gospel pitch. Yeah, good. Well, I, I still prefer I still prefer Steve's gospel pitch, but I'm working on it. <laughs> um, so so the angle that I would that, that I would take is that they've just experienced the goodness of this God of love who came in person 
in the, and that person is Jesus. And having experienced this, would they like to experience more and would they like to experience it all? And so here's what I'm imagining that I'm inviting them. And this is again, step three of 12 step. I'm inviting them to surrender their life and their will over to the care of such a God in every area. If he's so, if he so loves you that he would feed you today, if he so loves you that he would forgive you today, and I can declare that because he already has, if he so loves them that he would heal them today, um, how much more does he want every good thing for us? And I particularly like this, the, um, what, how Steve puts it, you know, that we would experience him living in, living inside. Now, and that's tricky, right? We're not actually saying that he's coming inside because in a sense he's there, but that they would experience him yes, living inside. That's the key. So Absolutely. we would tell them the truth of their being and then invite them to experience that as the way of their being. The, the truth of their being is they're already forgiven. Would you like to experience the assurance that you're forgiven? Um, the truth of their being is they, they don't have to be afraid of death anymore. Would they like to experience the, the way, a way of life where, where that fear is gone from them forever? And this goes way back to when I was a youth pastor, when let's say someone would be uh, healed, we'd do inner healing work, let's say, with in terms of uh, kids who'd been molested, and they would experience, before they're Christians, they'd experience seeing and hearing Christ come to them in their memories, in their hearts. They would see and experience him washing the stain of that shame away and have a dramatic transformation. And then we would say, and if he could do that for this, would you want him to do that for all of your needs, all of your stains, all of your sins, every offense? It's, it's like, well, of course. And, and it's like, and, and, and how do you like him so far? Would you want him to be your best friend forever? It's like, of course. You know, so for us, that's when evangelism got really easy. Is It's in a sense the same formula as, as you guys use, and that is that we they taste and see that the Lord is good, and then they're invited to surrender themselves to all his goodness and then um but uh i like the idea then of of, of well I'll give you an example um so this uh a woman uh who is a drug addict uh, she came to me to make an amends for her resentments towards church and christians and she said i i hate christians and i hate the church and but i need to make my amends or, or how, you know, I'm not going to be free. I'll just relapse. I'm like, well, okay, that's great. Um, but I think you should tell me why you resent Christians so much and without even knowing what we believe. And, and she just said, well, you know, when I was a girl, our next-door neighbors were Christians, and they belittled me all the time. They treated me as less than human. And finally, they did invite me to church for a kid's program, and then the, and then the janitor molested me. And so that's her whole story. Well, excuse her if she's got some resentments, right? <laughs> so I made amends on behalf of the church and on behalf of church leadership. And I, I just said how, how sorry I was. And then um, I said, but you, like, you've been sober how long? Oh, a year and a half. How long have you been in the program? Ten years. I said, so you already, have, you already know this higher power. Uh, tell me about your higher power. She said, okay. Well, uh, ten years ago. Uh, I had an overdose and I died and my spirit was leaving my body and the paramedics brought me back. But she said, uh, I could see my body as I'm leaving it. And then she said, I, so I turned away from my body and I looked and I saw a bright light 
and it was a pure light. And I and 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 she said, so I reached out for the light, and when I reached out for the light, it reached out back to me, and it entered me and came into my heart, and then she came back. So I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. So where's that light now? Oh, it's still in my heart. And then she, I said, so, 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 do you like, do you pray to the light? Oh yeah, I pray every every morning for the last ten years. For 45 minutes, she would pray to the light. And I said, and does the light speak to you? Oh, yes. And, that, and so now it's the word, right? So she knows the light. The light is in her. She's praying to the light, and the light is speaking, speaking to her. And I'm asking her, like, what are the things it says? And it's all, like, super clean. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the voice of Jesus. So she's known the light and the word for 10 years, but it, God was making, I think, a, it's a calculated risk to say, I I'm going to have to wait a decade before I bring a witness hmm. along who says, behold the lamb. Because she, other, she, may, she may actually put the brakes on this if she associates it with those abusers. Hmm. Hmm. And so then um, I said, well, can I, you know, you said you judged Christians without knowing what they believe. Can I tell you what we believe? And she said, sure. And I said, well, I believe that the light and the word that you've been relating to for the last 10 years came to this world and was embodied in a man. And here's how that man treated women, because there was all these issues, right? And mm, I told yeah. her the story of the woman at the well, and I told her the story of the woman caught in adultery. And so now she's relating to Jesus um, as that word and that light. I don't know that she's convinced it. You know, I'm, I don't know that she's become a Christian. I just know that that she's already been changed and set free by relating to Jesus without knowing his name. And that is the big question. Can, can you know him? Can you know Jesus without knowing his name? Yeah, and you spend a lot of time in your, in your book talking about the difference between the person and the moniker. Can, yes. can you tell us a little bit about that? Right. So when we talk about the word name in the Bible, it's more than a label or moniker. Uh, the word name in the Bible relates to the person, the, the person and their character. So, it, so the name of the Lord isn't just getting the pronunciation right on a word that we use in our language. The, um, it's getting the character and the person right. And so here's this woman who doesn't know the moniker Jesus, but she knows his name in the sense that this is pure light, that's pure love, that lives in me, that speaks to me, and as I followed it, has changed me and set me free from addiction. Does she know the name? Maybe she does. Uh, did she know the moniker? Uh, probably not, at least not in a good way. Like yeah. for her, the moniker was toxic. But that's just a, it's just a label then. And so I thought about, I thought about all those who came before Christ that didn't know the name, that the, they didn't know the words, you know, Jesus Christ, but David knew the name. Abraham, Moses knew the name. Hagar knew the name. Even when it, for her, it was just, I've seen the God who sees me and she's in. Are we saying that after Jesus shows up, she wouldn't be in if she didn't get the right moniker? It's like no, she's met the per she's met the person, and in fact, uh, the new the New Testament in Hebrews eleven, it's quite fascinating when when it's talking about Moses in Hebrews eleven, relating to the burning bush and all of that. It says specifically about 
he wasn't ashamed of of Christ. It's like what? So he didn't know the word Christ yet, but it's saying that he knew Christ. Yes. And I think this woman knew Christ. Hmm. And this is and and um, I think that's what Richard Rohr is up to when he talks about Christ. Sometimes it's like I, they might not know the story of Jesus of Nazareth, but they have met the light and the word, and it is Christ. They have met Christ. They have turned to Christ, and they're following Christ. It still behooves us to tell them about Jesus of Nazareth. And Rohr would say that too. He says, you cannot have this without the cross because you need a God who came to suffer with us. And that's why that's, I'm like, that's a good answer. And uh, Stephen Colbert said this the other night in his interview with Anderson yeah. Cooper. He says, here's, yeah. here's my faith as a Catholic, you know, that, that we suffer and we needed a God who suffered with us. I'm like, oh, my goodness, we've heard, just heard the gospel. Not yes. only and suffered, it, And though, it brought Anderson to tears. I saw that. It, absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so this moniker issue, it's like, can I call, if I just call him God, is that good enough? How about if I call him Abba? Can I call him Abba? Oh, Jesus called him Abba. Can I call him Papa? That's the English. Okay, you can call him Papa. And now we're just throwing lots of names around. And um, I do have a... I wonder if I could find it quickly for you. It's it's about how... You know what? I bet I won't be able to find it quickly. It's just about how every ray of sunshine... That, that pours out from God into this world is a, maybe a different name for God. And you can know God by any of these names. I'm not saying every God yeah, is the one true God. Say, that sounded very similar to that, though, Brad. It did. But, but here, I didn't say every name of God is a revelation of God. I'm saying that the one true God has poured his revelation out into the world in many names. Father, Abba, Jesus, Spirit, Jehovah, Yahweh, you know, like you, right? So, so, but that's his names. That doesn't mean all these monikers and labels we use out here are him. A lot of them are just made up baloney you know and so many of the many of the false gods really are that they're false gods they're not gods at all and, and i remember names, sorry yeah sorry no um, go ahead i remember uh probably 20 years ago one of those aha moments that i think has has formed the way i present the gospel and that was that verse in uh, acts 2 i think it's 21 and everyone who calls on the name of the lord shall be saved and the aha moment was, I'm not sure that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is saying Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, maybe, I don't know. But that was my aha moment that started me on my journey, probably away from the four spiritual laws. Certainly not away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you know, that's I get on a lot of airplanes because of that gospel, but there's something very interesting in that verse. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And uh, when there's when there's when there's a terrible thing happening, we, you know, in El Paso, in the, in the store, 
did people call on the name of the Lord? And what does that mean? Right. I found that quote while you were talking, because this is pivotal. Um, and I was butchering it a little. So this is theologian Olivier Clement. This is not, this isn't some like liberal, you know, whatever from (laughs) this is um, this guy is an Orthodox theologian who wrote the catechism for the Orthodox church in Paris back in the 20th century. Um, He said this a generation ago from all eternity, God lives and reigns in glory. Each ray of that glory is a divine name. And these names are innumerable. And so I'm, I'm wondering if everyone who calls on the name, the person, the character of God, um, uh, is saved. And then at some point, hopefully, um, they'll also hear the full story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the full inheritance that comes with knowing that and experiencing it. For now, I'd be happy if we could even just get Christians to experience it because we've got many now. Even right now, it's been quite a month of major Christian leaders renouncing their faith publicly. And I'm like, they knew the moniker and maybe they had a belief system and signed off on a sinner's prayer and had a worship experience. But did they know the person? Had they met Christ? I'm convinced, I'm convinced my, my addict friend met Christ 10 years before she knew his name. I'm not convinced that a Christian who walks away from the faith has met Christ. Maybe they've grown up in a system, signed off on an ideology, had some wonderful, you know, warm, fuzzy feelings. Or, and, you know, I don't know. I just don't know how you can meet him and leave him. That's not possible in my mind. I could even hate him, but I like can't leave him. Hmm. How do we do facilitate th- encounter for Christians such that I they can say connecting to that? Yeah. For you, speaking yeah. personally, if you would. Yeah. What does it mean to have an ongoing experience of knowing Christ that I might know Him? Right. What is it? What does it mean personally to know Him? So that you're not having just the moniker and you prayed the prayer and you did the meetings and and see I've watched it happen a lot too, Brad, even just in my not public leaders, but just you know, as I'm watching people that that did the deal, good people who in their sixties it's not working. And I think it goes back to exactly what you're saying. It's the difference between the moniker and knowing him. Would you want to talk a little bit about, for you, knowing Christ? Sure. So for me, um, that means two things specifically. Well, this is what comes to mind anyway. Um, I'm one of these lucky guys. We'll call it luck. <laughs> um, where, you know, I don't remember a time when I didn't love Jesus. And it was because when I, from the moment I heard his name, I was in. I'm like, I want this. I know. And so as a little boy, even, when I would pray simple Baptist bedtime prayers, I experienced him as present, as imminent, as in me. 
I experienced it as talking to somebody who's a person who is there closer than my own face. <laughs> um, I don't know why that's not true of every little boy and girl, let's say, who grows up in Christian culture. For me, the it was abs absolutely um, a relationship with a real living person in me. I, I don't know... I don't know other than that. And then um, I would say that uh, in my 20s at one point, I, I became concerned that I saw nothing. I didn't see God at work in me in ways that I couldn't explain away, even though I still had that conscious sense of his presence. Um, I'm like, okay, but maybe I'm making that up. And I wonder if some people are like that where they've, they've known what I'm talking about, but then they kind of out outgrew it like they're toys. And uh, I, um, and they're like, maybe they feel more enlightened now. And then they read back into their previous experiences that they were made up, even though they weren't. But um, in my case, it then it began happening as I saw real transformation when we were when we got into work of, of healing and inner healing and like dramatic, dramatic stuff. But even then it was like, yeah, but that's for them. What about me? And, and, and for me, uh, the first time I really felt that the deep Abba revelation, uh, I, was, I was in a period of depression and self-hatred really. And I just needed, uh, and pretty burnt out and I needed some kind of refreshing. So I went to Circle of Friends, which is a local coffee house for people with disabilities. And there's about mm -hmm. 200 people there, half of them care workers, and half were uh, folks with Down syndrome and autism and range of, they needed full-time care. So I, I sat in the back and I just kind of, um, I, I kind of was sulking. And then Kit, um, he was one of the guys with Down syndrome uh, and he was up on stage playing a djembe and he, he saw me from the front and uh, he left the worship band and came all the way down to the back where I was sitting and he, he couldn't really talk, but he, um, he could pray and he could say amen. <laughs> and so he grabbed me by the arm and he dragged me up to the front row and he sat me down beside him and then he, and then he grabbed my head and he put it on his heart and he started mm. stroking my hair and oh. I bawled like a little baby. Um, <laughs> I, I wailed. And I, I don't know what was, there was something deep inside of me that was coming up and out and being healed uh, profoundly. And I'm like, I've just felt Abba's love for the first time. So it was different than the sense of just imminent personhood into this deep healing moment. of, of And uh, I'd had other experiences, God, before that, that I'd relate to power or whatever. But this was about Abba. Mm. And uh, and that he would do that through Kit was profoundly special to me. It authenticated it in my mind. And I'm like, what's happening to me right now, I could not and would not manufacture. I'm not able to. I didn't even want to. And it was spontaneous. kind of. It, it was a, a Damascus road of a different sort, really. Hmm. Wow. Thank you for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're at an hour. I got another hour's worth of questions, but I better not. <laughs> Can I just say this to everybody who's watching? Please, um, 
get this book. It's not long. It's shorter than most of your books, Brad. I don't know what it is, 190 pages or something. But uh, it, it'll, take us, it'll take you folks into some deeper issues around Abba, around Christ, uh, around the cross, uh, for me very much around my gospel. I've shared Brad for years. I just finished touring with a bunch of pastors in Australia or two different churches. A number of years ago, he challenged me. Uh, my gospel, by the grace of God, there was authority in it and there was power in it, but he started challenging me several years ago, how beautiful is your gospel? And then it was shortly after that I encountered um, A More Christ-Like God, by the way, another good book for you folks to get by Brad. And, and it's the question that I put to pastors wherever I am now. How beautiful is your gospel? Is it a beautiful gospel? And uh, as he touched my own heart with that, frankly, I've had so many times now the last year or two where the entire room just comes to Christ. I, I had a group of people before I could finish, they came running forward. And that's not me, that's realizing the beautiful gospel. And I love how you put it today. That they knew about God, but then he said, behold the lamb, this is the one. So um, all I wanna do is not sound like a commercial, but say, get, get that book. I'd say, get both those books. And I thank you for uh, enriching us. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, I, I do have more questions. I mean, physically written down, we had some more questions that I was... And I have a little to, more time if did. you need it. Well, here's what I think we're going to do, actually. What I'd like to do okay. is offer our listeners an opportunity to ask some questions as well. Okay. Uh, and let's have you back, Brad, uh, in a few weeks. Um, and we'll dig into some listener questions. We'll dig into some more questions that I've got for you. Because, um, you know, as we're having these conversations, uh, obviously, you know, it triggered your answers trigger more more questions for me. And uh, if we were just sitting around a living room, I think we'd be here till midnight because there's just so, so much. There's just such a, a richness to this stuff. Um, but I really want our, our listeners to have an opportunity to ask some, yeah, but questions as well. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think all of us have unique experiences of sharing the gospel with people, of, of the way the 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 way the Trinitarian God has revealed himself to them. And I'm, I'm interested to hear that. So if you're listening to this and you've just, you know, you've had a whole bunch of yeah, but questions, um, email them to me. Uh, our email address is podcast at impactnations.com. Uh, and I promise you, we will ask those questions. Uh, be as specific as you can. We'll ask those questions of Brad. Um, and and we'll interact some more because there's just there's so much stuff here. But I, I love that just finishing with that question of how beautiful is your gospel? Uh, I think that's a great challenge for all of us. Yeah. So, Brad, thank you so much for, for being here. If people want to find you online, if they want to follow, follow just discourse with you and stuff, how can they do that? Where do they find you? Um, uh, BradJersak.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, but I don't actually check the feed. But if they want to PM me through Facebook, um, I can get that. But it's the best thing in terms of not getting lost between the cracks is probably just email me, BradJersak at gmail.com. 
And I can then tell I you, can I search. have emailed Brad with questions, and his answers are always thorough and uh, and helpful. And like I said, one of the, I, Brad, I just so appreciate your ability to make these things very accessible. Uh, it's great. So, yeah. So the, just for everybody to get, that's bradjerzak at gmail dot com. Right. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> and there's no there's no Q in in Jerzak, just so people know. <laughs> very good. Well, Brad, thank you so much for being with us, and we'll talk again soon. See you in a couple weeks, I guess. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Bye-bye.